Hi, and welcome to Mumspire, your go-to place for inspiration, information, and great tips on how you can become a happier and healthier mum. My name is Anna Maria, and I'm your host. I work as a naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, doula, and yoga instructor. But most importantly, I'm a fellow mum. In 2010 and 2011, when I was pregnant with my first baby, I participated in a project that was called My Pregnancy by Anne Geddes. It was a beautiful project that portrayed women in pregnancy and in the postpartum period with their babies, and also shared the individual journeys and stories of each woman. It was such a beautiful project and I was very honored to participate in this. And not only was it very beautiful and the images are so spectacular, but it was also such a beautiful project, in my opinion, to create a platform where you got to hear so many different individual women's journeys and stories when it comes to transitioning into motherhood and the stories of their births. I truly believe that when women share their stories their individual journeys with one another in a true and honest, transparent way. It creates for healing. It creates for holding space for one another. And that's really where so much magic happens. When we can wash away the sugar coating and the super mama syndrome and just be real and honest with one another and ourselves, it is really spectacular. And I love that this project was facilitating that. And it was really quite extraordinary to be part of. So I'm really happy to say that in this episode, I'm speaking with Anne Geddes, directly from New York City, where she's based at the moment. And I've been wanting to speak with her for quite some time, wanting to really understand her more on a personal level as a mum, and also how she translates this passion of hers into these extraordinary images that are so esoterical, romantic, and beautiful, and in such a unique way that only really she can capture them. And that has to come from something very special within her. So I've been wanting to speak with her and hear more about her as an individual and also about the project we did together. And Geddes and her team has such a very unique way of working together that comes across as effortless. It comes across as fluidity when you enter the space and they make you feel so unique and individual, which is something that is not always an easy thing to create, I believe, when you're making a huge production. So being part of this was quite the experience on so many levels. And I really admire how they're able to create such a space, but also to do it continuously for so many years that Anne has been working and working with babies. So I would say it takes quite a unique woman to create such extraordinary images and to also be doing it in such an effortless and beautiful way. So I'm so honored to share this interview with you. And it was such a pleasure for me to speak with her. I could have kept going for much longer. She's really full of amazing advice. And to really tap into her world and her as an individual was really extraordinary to listen to. And she's an absolute pleasure to speak with. Now, before I go on and introduce Anne Geddes to you, 
I just want to let you know that at the time of the recording, I was recovering from the flu. So you will hear that I sound a little nasally, let's say. But the truth is that I'm a working mum, And in this case, I'm a working, very pregnant mum. So I had to grab the moment and speak with her because of the time difference and also because of the potential of me giving birth any moment. So really, I'm not sugarcoating anything. I am being very transparent in the sense that I'm a working mum, very pregnant. And I was so excited to speak to Anne that I had to just do it. And sounding nasally or not, it had to happen. So I hope you'll bear with me and my nasally sound. But that's the, the truth of a working mama. Now let me introduce Anne. Being one of the world's most respected photographers, Anne Geddes creates images that are iconic, multi-award winning, internationally acclaimed and beloved. A global ambassador for children, Anne, as well as having her own philanthropic trust, is proud to be the global advocate for the UN Foundation's Shut at Life campaign, an ambassador volunteer for the March of Dimes and the ambassador for the GSK Global Awareness Campaign for Meningococcal Disease. Anne's imagery has been published in over 84 countries and in 24 languages. Anne has recently released a book titled Small World with the renowned publisher Tashin. Small World is the largest retrospective of Anne's work to date and features imagery spanning Anne's 30 years in photography. For more information on Anne, please visit annegeddes.com and follow Anne on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Anne Geddes to see inside the studio and stay up to date with Anne's latest work. So today on the podcast on Mumspire, I have the wonderful Anne Geddes with me directly from New York. Welcome, Anne. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's such a pleasure to have you. I'm so absolutely delighted that you're here. You're such a unique figure here in Australia. So it's just so wonderful to get to talk to you today. Yes. And I think what you're doing and what I do is we're kind of kindred spirits and thinking about seven years ago when I photographed you when you were pregnant with your first baby. You looked incredible, and I'm sure you still do now. <laughs> a little bit bigger, but yes, oh, thank you. You certainly made me look very pretty on that picture. I still have it hanging on the wall. So, Anne, tell us a little bit about New York. Are you happy over there? We're missing you. <laughs> we miss Australia a lot, and our friends in Australia, and you know, but it's different these days with Skype. And I have a daughter still living in Sydney, Kelly who's married to Daniel, an architect. And so we talk a lot all the time. And Kel and I, my husband, we always talked about relocating to New York. And we visited a lot over the years. And our business is basically based in, in the US and, and in Europe. And when you do that long haul flight, literally hundreds of times, it, it just wears you down a little bit. And so, you know, it was really lovely to be able to locate permanently here about three years ago. So we're living in Tribeca in downtown New York, and we just love it. We absolutely do. I think I was talking to a friend the other night from Australia who was over here, and I think, you know, the way to sum it up is that I feel like I spent the first half of my life in Australia and a lot of time in New Zealand when we were living there for 18 years. And now it's a, a time to spend the second half of my life in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, just absorbing a totally different experience in, in New York, which is a fabulous city. And, and I think that's very essential for creativity as well, to sort of put yourself into a new environment and be open to new experiences. Absolutely. 
And I love that philosophy of just allowing yourself to utilize the globe as your oyster. You know, the world is your oyster and you go where it takes you. And of course, that's going to fuel creativity and ideas. It's amazing. Wonderful. You know, Anna Maria, I, I always consider myself a global advocate for children. And, you know, babies are a universal language, as, as everybody knows. And people look at the imagery, you know, in my, oh, I've got a new book. I have to plug my new book, of course, with passion called Small World, which has just come out in Australia. And, you know, you look through the pages of the book and you think, these babies could be from any country in the world. You know, people looking at them think they were American or they're Australian or they're New Zealand babies or German. or They are so much a universal language and the message through my imagery has always been the absolute purity and promise of a newborn. And especially today, you know, I mean, living here in New York and the whole political situation that's going on, I'm sure you know, the whole world has had to listen to all the goings on over the past yeah. few months. Ever more so, humanity needs to stop and take a deep breath and consider the source, right? And the source for all of us is newborn babies. And every minute a baby is born is another chance for humanity at new beginnings. And that's why I've continued to photograph babies over the past 30 years because of everything that they represent to me. And they obviously represent to so many people as well. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautifully said. So where does it come from within you? Where does it start wanting to photograph babies? Have you always felt that way or is that something that developed down the track? Well, I picked up a camera quite late in life, really. I was 25 and I was born in North Queensland uh, and grew up on a cattle station, a 32,000-acre cattle station, way out bush and the little country school that we went to at the time and my high school years, there were no photography courses. And so it, it never really occurred to me that it was an option for me to be a photographer. In fact, I always joke that, you know, when I picked up a camera, I was the first photographer that I'd ever met. But I was born in 1956. And, you know, through my teenage years, I always loved still imagery. And I used to buy Life magazine when it was in its heyday. And I used to stare at these images and think it's possible to tell a story purely through imagery. And that's what Life Magazine did in its heyday. And, and I still follow Life Magazine on Instagram and things like that because they remind me of all of those old photographs. And I particularly loved imagery of people and that concept of capturing a single moment in time forever. It was something that just fascinated me. And I wrote my autobiography, um, A Labour of Love, of quite a few years ago now and I talk about I truly believe that we're all born for something you know I'm not a religious person but I'm I'm definitely spiritual and I remember a moment and I described this in A Labour of Love of you know I was around seven or eight years old and I was standing in the front garden under the clothesline and my mother was hanging the washing on the line right and I remember the the exact moment and it was it was summer, it was very hot up there in North Queensland and I had bare feet and I was standing on the grass and which was prickly under my feet and I know the exact moment, the exact place where 
where I was standing and I said to her, there's something that I need to do, but I, I don't know what it is. And she kind of looked at me strangely and said, oh, well, why don't you go ride your bike or something, that, as, as any mother would say, right? <laughs> and I said, no, no, that's not what I mean. And then the moment passed, and it's still so clear to me now. And so I really think that the essence of, of somebody can be instilled in them at that tender age. And that's why, you know, it's so important to encourage children in terms of, you know, their own interests and to have confidence in themselves to carry themselves forward. But, you know, I didn't have that confidence. And so, you know, it took quite a while for me to, you know, gain my own style when I first picked up a camera. And this is a long-winded answer to your question, but for the first 10 years of my career, I did private portraiture. And private portraiture of families and children, which is, you know, what I specifically wanted Mm -hmm. to do. And through all of those years of portraiture, I learned how to relate to children of different ages, you know. And and you would know now, as as nearly a mother of three, that, you know, there's a vast difference between dealing with a newborn baby, a six-month-old, an 18-month-old, a three-year-old, you know. And and so, you know, I feel as if I did my 10,000 hours as they, you know, the saying goes, over those 10 years. And that's where I really got to the essence of why I was doing what I was doing. And it was really a celebration of new life. And so I I always joke that as I got older, my subject matter became younger, you know. And so now I pretty much Mm -hmm. just photograph six to seven-month-old babies and newborns and pregnant women and, and so on. I think, you know, I just turned 60 last September and, and, you know, you think going back, in fact, when I was going through all my archives for this new book of mine, to go back and see some of those early images that I shot when I was really determined to make private portraiture so beautiful and classic, you know, to creating a work of art for a family to share privately for many generations to come, you know, and some of those early portraits in the book as well and there's some of the oldest images in the book so it's really nice to go back over a 30-year archive and I think the pathways become a little clearer when you're looking at them from the other side you know from being 60 uh, and looking back and now I I realize why I did some of those things and why I took that path and then this path and um, you know it was really uh, quite a moving 12 months going through everything. Yeah I bet. Because also your your connection to, and in your case, you know, you're shooting babies or taking pictures of babies, that connection and that environment that you create in the room, which I think personally, I've been very lucky to experience that, but you know, that would translate into the whole environment of the actual photograph. And that would change, of course, over the span of your career. And it would be very different now to what it was in the beginning, I can imagine. Oh, yes. I mean, I've learned a lot. Um, not a lot changes as well. You know, I think it's interesting that I am one of five girls, right? And I was born in, as I said, in the 50s. The box brownies were the only cameras um, around and they were relatively rare at the time. And I do not have a single photograph of myself as a newborn baby. And I can count on one hand the number of photographs I have of me, say, under two years of age. And, oh, wow. And so that has driven me a little bit too because, you know, I look at these images that I take of babies and think, oh, it must, just must be wonderful 
to see yourself like that right at the beginning of your life, you know, and and to have videos of yourself, you know, babies and, and children these days are so fortunate. I mean, there's no video of me or what my voice sounded like or my sisters and, and so on. And so I think we all need to appreciate the advances in technology and, and so on. And now, you know, little babies just – I've had babies in the studio here in New York. It's very funny that um, the last shoot that I did and this little six-month-old, as soon as she saw a phone, you know, she broke out into a big smile <laughs> where they, they think about imagery. Yeah. So different, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Such a normal part of their yeah, upbringing. But I think it also, um, Anna Maria, I, I know that you know people say to me all the time, "Well, everyone's a photographer these days," and and I I really strongly disagree. I think that everybody has the ability to take photographs, but not everyone is a photographer. And so, if there are any professional photographers listening, or people who are thinking of going down this road, then I, I think more than ever it's it's so, so important to be able to um, still continue to create classic work and and to create imagery that makes people stop and think about something, you know, because there's so many images flying around every day and I think a lot of them are just not really an image, they're just a thought process. And so, you know, I continue to do private portraiture these days. I've just come back from Florida doing a, a beautiful shoot down there. And I still love actually being involved with families and, you know, on, uh, to be able to create something personal for them that they'll cherish forever. I think it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. And I mean, quite frankly, there's a very big difference between taking a selfie with your iPhone and getting a professional shot of your family. It's very, very different, I think, personally. I agree. I agree. But it brings me to when we did our job together seven years ago, I think it is just about seven, seven years ago when I was pregnant with my first little baby. And I just absolutely loved the idea you had in the My Pregnancy magazine and then also doing it as a program, a TV program. Because I think personally that there is a need for more conversation, more fluidity and transparency around the journeys that women go through when we become mothers that go from women to becoming mothers and all the hurdles and joys and miracles that happens in that process. So when you asked me to come on board on that, I was absolutely, absolutely delighted. (laughs) And I thought it was such a beautiful thing that you did. How did you come about that? Was that part of this whole wanting to connect? Where did that idea come from? You know, I've always been fascinated by the whole idea of conception and pregnancy and birth. And, you know, a lot of people know me for my work that's more fantastical. You know, I think there's two sides to my work and I consider myself a storyteller. One is, you know, the more fantasy-inspired imagery that I do. And the other side of it is the more classic imagery that I've always done that that is more connected with pregnancy and, you know, some of my earliest pregnancy images were shot in the early 90s. And, and in fact, one of those pregnancy images of a woman called Mary with her little daughter, Charlotte, who's probably a mother herself now, is actually in this book. So, the, you know, just the fact that this baby is, is developing inside of a woman, is, it's incredible as women what, what we have been gifted. and. So I've always photographed pregnant women. I've always loved 
having pregnant women in the studio and then having them bring their newborns back and being involved in that world because it's so, so special and so magical and it's such an important time in a woman's life. You know, we all remember the moment we first found out we were pregnant. Do you remember? Oh, yes. Every three times. Yes. Yeah, of course, each time. But it's just our own personal miracle. Mm. Look, I just honestly, I'm, I would never forget where I was both times I found out I, I was pregnant. And and so I don't think there are enough stories being told in the media about the women's experiences of pregnancy. And, you know, dare I say, I think it's because the media is very much controlled by men. You know, and we tried to launch that uh, My Pregnancy series. And, you know, it was so, so incredibly popular and it rated incredibly well, but it just didn't keep going, you know. And I think it's because, mm. you know, a lot of men just think, oh, well, you know, we can, you know, there's, it's like a lot of movies that have been made these days. It's all sort of, you know, all macho and very masculine. And and I think, dare I say, one of the things that's that I think will happen from what's happening here in America you know, with the Trump presidency, for instance, is that a lot of women, starting with the march in Washington, you know, that incredible march when women of all generations just flocked there to make a statement. And I think that I would like to see going forward more of these pregnancy stories, for instance, and and more speaking Mm. about their experiences and uh, refusing to just keep it in the home and in the family because it's a celebration of life and and that's what I will continue to do with my work going forward and that's why I did those images of there were approximately 50 pregnant women and they were all styled to elements of nature that bring forth new life and yeah. you know and, and because all of the cycles of nature we're all caught up in that and to disrespect that will be at our peril and so I think it's from what's happening with all of this, you know, nasty political side, you know, that's going on at the moment is that a softness will come through because more women will want to become empowered and to make their voices heard and to talk about their experiences. And so I'm a great advocate for being able to help to tell those stories, which is what I was doing when I photographed you and all of those other amazing ladies. Oh, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I just think that I think women are tired of being silent because birth is such a dramatic and extreme and sometimes very bloody event. You know, it's a messy, messy thing. Yeah, yeah and it is. And that has beauty. And I think that it, there is a lack of, of accepting that that messy, very dramatic, animalistic journey is also extraordinarily beautiful. And it's not being portrayed correctly in the media. And as you say, as a very masculine driven sort of, you know, it's very traumatic and typically all women are always birthing on their back in a bed on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always the same. And we know that that's not the case in real life. So I, that's why I think it was such an amazing idea that you had to, to try and create those stories and let women tell their stories and not manipulate them in any way. Oh, some of the stories were you know, extraordinary, really extraordinary. And because that, that's what pregnancy is, it's an extraordinary event for a woman and for a man because in an instant you become a mother and you become a father and a family is created. And, you know, it's the essence of humanity and 
I agree with you. You know, I'm I'm all on board with, you know, continuing to spread these stories of pregnancy and birth and the miracle of new life. Right. We need more of that. <laughs> Now, and you have two daughters, as you said, and as we know, how was this journey for you personally, becoming a mum? Well, let me tell you, for a start, the minute you have a daughter, it's a <laughs> it's a blessing because <laughs> for the rest of your life, you know what you're doing wrong. <laughs> I'll tell Yeah. I love that. And so our two girls are 33 and 30, and my husband, Cal, has two older daughters as well who are in their 40s, and so he has four girls, and so he definitely knows everything he's doing. <laughs> oh, dear, <Yeah>. poor man. <laughs> he loves it. What are you telling me? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but my pregnancies, I had my first daughter, Stephanie, in 1984 and Kelly in 1986, and, you know, it was different. I, I look at these pregnant women these days and wearing these gorgeous outfits and proudly displaying their tummies to the world. And, you know, I wish it was like that in the 80s because we used to wear these big tent dresses and, you know, I was had this red dress that I wore forever and I thought I was going to start a bonfire in the front once I had my children to burn this dress, you know. And now, you know, you yeah. see all these lovely outfits these pregnant women are wearing and I, I just think it's gorgeous, just gorgeous. Yeah, let's celebrate it and celebrate the change in the body. I agree with you. Yes, absolutely. I think the tighter the better in pregnancy, actually. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. But it wasn't that way in the 80s, I have to say. No, it wasn't. It's true. It's very true. And did you enjoy pregnancy apart from the big red dress? Um, I did. I did. So, um, you know, it's it's funny. I've just turned 16. I remember saying to my sister, Kay, at the time, When my second second daughter Kelly was about to be born, I said, "Oh my God, I'm huge and I'm going to be 30. Thirty <laughs> was so old, you know, and it's not at all, you know. Um, but I did, I did enjoy my pregnancies. It was a very exciting time, and it's. I just think, you know, for thousands of years, pregnancy has has been exciting for women. But I think these days there's more opportunities for women to be able to share their stories, and you know, I think that's. It's really, really important, and and we touched on this before we started this podcast because you know you had stressed the fact that you know you think it's so important to obviously help a woman through her pregnancy and birth, but also afterwards to give them support and advice and company and friendship because I think you know everyone is this hyper connected world at the moment, but so many people within that can be awfully lonely. And I think that, you know, families are, are not living together in the same town in a lot of cases, and which was for me. You know, when I had um, my two babies, I didn't have family around me. And so it can be quite isolating. And, and when Kelly was, my second one was a newborn, I, I remember literally we'd moved down to Melbourne and um, my husband was away for three weeks and I spent three weeks on my own with these two little children and not knowing anybody. We didn't even know the neighbors and so on. And I remember lying in bed at night thinking, oh, my goodness, if something happened to me, what would happen to them? And and it's very real. So, you know, I, I think it's very important for new mothers to have that support, not just from people around them, but from and doing blogs like, uh, you know, like our conversation that we're having Today, you know, for women to understand that it's hard work 
to have a newborn. And I always say to the mothers who come into the studio with their newborns, how are you? And it's hard work, isn't it? You know, and some of them actually get a little mm. bit teary and because, you know, I think mothers are supposed to be in complete rhapsody over this newborn and when really, you know, you've just had a baby, it's a major adjustment to your body and you're taking this little person home. You know, I always say it's like this little ego comes into your home and basically says, make me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Because if I'm not happy, everybody is going to be unhappy, you know, and which I think is so funny and, and, so your whole focus has to turn away from yourself to this little one and you're tired and, you know, you're sore from the birth and, you know, there's not enough honest speak about what it is in th- for the first few weeks after you bring a newborn home and, you know, talking about postpartum depression and, and that sort of thing. And, and it's, it's lovely to see that sort of come out in conversations more these days. Mm, yes, I think that is so important. I think I call it the super superwoman syndrome that we have these days yeah. where it's almost not okay to not be totally in love with your baby from the get-go and everything works out perfectly and you get your body back within three months and things like that. There is this extraordinary pressure that we put on ourselves and sadly also on each other by doing this on ourselves. We then send the same message out to the to other women that look at me, I did this and it's so easy. Nobody is going to post a bad photograph of themselves on Facebook or Instagram, you know? And Exactly. In the form of bullying in a way, you know, it's uh, look at me and my life and mm. it's not true. But I'd see more people actually sharing real stories and that's what I endeavoured to do with the My Pregnancy series. Yeah, and that's why it was so amazing. And how did you feel about... You know, I felt that a lot of the story, I mean, they did obviously air a lot of the stories, but a lot of it was the more dramatic and more challenging births and experiences that women had had, which is also, of course, important to get out there and and share those stories. We can't put a lid on those um, more dramatic sides. Did you feel that they weren't delivering all the stories or was it just a matter of that's how the production went. Well, that's how the production went, yes. And it's it's also, you know, you're very limited in terms of you have to make a choice, right? And, you know, so there were the vast majority of pregnancies, very normal and very joyful and have a great conclusion, the vast majority of them. And so, you know, I, I suppose to share these stories, it was, it was impossible to share all of them. Um, there were joyful stories of, you know, IVF, pregnancies and um, celebrating pregnancies in all their different forms. There were, unfortunately, a couple of stillbirths that happened. And I guess, you know, television's looking for drama. And um, so Mm -hmm. we tried to portray the right balance with these stories. And a, a lot of them weren't dramatic, though, I'd say. A lot of them, you know, were just really incredibly joyful. And, you know, people waiting a long time to have a baby and and the first time they saw their baby and all of those lovely things, I think we were able to include in there as well. Yeah, wonderful. They need to know that there is, of course, all the different possibilities out there and all of them are okay. And I'll tell you a funny story that every woman will appreciate. Many years ago when I was photographing here in New York in uh, the Polaroid studio with this huge Polaroid camera and we had these newborn babies in there and there was a Jewish grandma who was there and she was walking around patting her little newborn 
helping child on her shoulder and taking charge of all the other mothers and, and so on. And my husband, who was there at the time, said something. I can't even remember what it was. And she turned around and she said to him, if men had babies, there'd be no more babies. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Which shut him up quick, smart, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always laugh at that when, at the memory of that, and it's probably true in a lot of ways, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think there's yeah. some truth to yeah. that for sure. Yeah. Now, how do you think the challenges are different today? I mean, we talked about the, or you were sharing how you know that isolation and being alone when you're with your newborns, and and that vulnerability that comes with it, which is a very can be a hard one to get your head around when you suddenly realize that with a newborn you are extraordinarily vulnerable, especially with your body just having gone through labor and so on. How do you think the challenges are different today, if you think so? Do you think they're different? I don't think they're different today. You know, I, I remember when I first had Stephanie and, you know, I used to, this sounds really silly, but, you know, you right from the minute this child's born, you're responsible for them, right? And you you weren't a mother before and now you are, and they are totally reliant on you. And I remember being in tears at one stage in the first couple of weeks saying to Kel, oh, my gosh, she needs more than me, right? Because what if I do something wrong? What if I feed her something that she's allergic to? What if I, I used to say, so what if I forget I leave her in a store or something? That used to be one of my big fears, you know, that I'd walk out of a store and the store owner would come out and go, excuse me, but you've left your baby. I was like, oh, my God, yes. That's right. And I don't know. <laughs> in the trolley or something. <laughs> forgot that you had this baby because prior to this, you're a free and independent woman going about your life. And then all of a sudden, you're a mother. And so, my point being with this story is that you don't automatically become a natural mother. Some, some do and some don't. And I didn't. And that's fine, you know. And the other, if, if I'm giving advice to mothers, and I always remind myself of this advice, is don't turn into a mother because just be yourself and you're the mother of this child because your children need to know the essence of you. And I know a lot of women just sort of give themselves over completely to motherhood. And I think it's important for your child to know you as an independent person as well and as they're growing up, you know, to try and instill a lot of your personality and a lot of your aspirations to let them watch you living your life and that not everything revolves around them it does but it doesn't in a lot of ways and you know all going well you're going to know your child for longer as an adult than as as they are as children and you know childhood goes by so quickly and you want to be living your own life at the same time i think that's really important advice yeah that's very great advice actually and so I saw this uh, beautiful interview you did with Paspaley and a campaign you did. I'm not quite sure when it was, but I saw it again recently at the interview you did. And you briefly talk about the importance of, you know, and a lot of your pictures actually do this as well, you know, the nakedness, the purity of the babies and the simplicity. And then you add beautiful romantic twist to that. But in the interview, I just remember that you were talking about that skin to skin, like spending time with this purity of your baby, which really resonates with me because it's something I recommend a lot that we maybe don't overwash our babies as, you know, in the first, you know, couple of months and 
the same with ourselves. We don't put perfume and creams and don't go over clean, but actually spending time with that real true naturalness that we have in the beginning of life. Is that something you did when you had your children? Sure. Look, enjoy your babies. You know, there are no rules, you know, and, and put down your phone and spend time with your babies as well, you know, and, and definitely skin on skin is, is fantastic. Um, the Paspali Pearl campaign that I was involved in, you know, I've, people know that I love pearls, you know, and in fact, I've been working on this um, brand new jewellery range, which is going to be launched in October on the Home Shopping Network here. And it involves pearls because, you know, the designer I was working with said to me, what's your favourite gemstone? And and I said, to be honest, you know, I just love pearls. And the thing with pearls is that they are the only gemstone with a natural gestation period. And the longer that you wear them, the more lustrous they become. And, and so they're always a part of you and, and you are imparting your body oils and everything into this pearl that is, is just unique. Uh, you know, every pearl is different and every pearl is unique. And that's what every child represents to me. So everybody knows that I just love pearls. And, and it's nothing to do with their value. It's everything to do with what they represent. That's beautiful. And it's so true. It's interesting with pearls. I think it is the only jewelry you can wear that actually does become more beautiful as you wear it. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so, Anne, I know you are obviously a big advocate for, you know, children's health and supporting new mums and so on. And I wanted to just ask you briefly about the children's charities that you're involved in. It's been um, interesting. It's been very gratifying for me in the past few years to take on more cause-related work. My husband and I have for many, many years worked to raise, um, to raise awareness of child abuse and neglect. And we first started doing this in, in the very early 90s when really people wouldn't even mention child abuse on television. It was, it was, there was just this horror of this couldn't possibly be happening and when in reality it was. And, our, and now... You know, as we all know, with the Australian Commission into um, institutionalised child abuse and everything, um, you know, that's just brought a whole lot of stories out of the woodwork, and and that's a good thing. Essentially, everybody knows somebody who has been abused as a child, whether they know it or not. And one of my sisters was a victim of child abuse for two years in the little country school that we attended by the head teacher. of the school and the sad thing was that she told my mother about this and my mother didn't believe her goodness so that's why we've been big advocates in raising awareness and you know in the last few years also I've done a lot of work raising awareness of meningococcal disease and I did a series of 15 survivors you know ranging from a nine-month-old baby to a 25-year-old young woman here from Texas in the, in the US and these survivors came from all around the world and that was that was a, an amazing project to to do, and I continue to raise awareness of meningitis. Um, and so, if anybody is listening here, please check with your doctor and make sure that your child's vaccinations are up to date. That's the best the best approach to managing that. Yes. yes, thanks so much. Now, because I'm a naturopath, and I have to just ask, and you just turned sixty, as you said, which is extraordinary, and you're a very very stunning woman. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I have to just ask you, out of curiosity. What do you do around your health? And do you have any routines or diet? Is there anything special that we would like to know? Well, I walk every day. We've got a, a beautiful rescue dog called Ethel. And having a dog is the best way to have to get out of the house and walk. 
all the time, you know, regardless of the weather here as well. Yeah, they don't care. I <laughs> no, don't care if it's snowing or hailing or, you know, you have to actually get out there. And so that's great. All I do is walk. I stay out of the sun. And that's the best advice, you know, apart from exercise that I can give to anybody is stay out of the sun because for what it does to your skin over many, many years of exposure, it's, it's just really not worth it. Yeah, no, it's harsh, especially here in Australia. Correct, correct. And I grew up in North Queensland and we'd run around with, you know, zinc cream on our noses and shoulders and with our peeling skin after our summer holidays. And I think parents are much more aware now of how to protect their babies and, and their children. Yeah, there's a lot of awareness around that. Um, my last question, and I know you have to go and be social with your friends in New York, but I wanted just to ask you, I remember when we were shooting together and there was such a peaceful and curiosity between all your people that are working with you and your team, makeup artist and all the assistants and so on. There's this peace and clarity and a welcoming feeling. And also simplicity is what popped in, up in my head when I was thinking back on it was very simple and graceful to shoot with you and to to be portrayed with you. It was a very special sort of experience compared to I have worked as a model for many, many years and have experienced many different ways, but yours were definitely very unique. And of course, I was heavily pregnant at the time. But is that simplicity, that gracefulness, is that part of your daily routine? Do you keep life simple? Oh, I think it's important to keep life as simple as you can. And, and um, you know, certainly in, in my shoots, you know, invariably parents who come to shoots, when they leave will say, I, I can't believe it was like this, that we had such a lovely time. And, you know, there's this whole, people try and project chaos and noise and, and everything in photo shoots with babies and children. And, and it's really just not the case. And, and, you know, I work with the same team all the time. I've worked with the same stylist. Dawn McGowan for the last, you, you would have met Dawn, um, for the last 30 years. And we still work together, thank goodness for Skype, because she lives in Auckland in New Zealand. And, you know, we, we Skype a couple of times a week and we're working on projects going forward. I think it's important to have a team you can trust. And the level of professionalism in a shoot needs to disappear because, you know, a true professional isn't obvious about all of the rules that you have in place and everybody knows exactly what they're doing and the safety issues and, and so on. A true professional will just make everything look seamless when really it's very, very highly organised in the background because if you're photographing people in any way, and you would know from the shoot, it was very important for us to have you feel confident and that you were in the right hands and particularly being pregnant and particularly being relatively naked, though so you did have a, a little um, skeleton leaf. <laughs> yeah, a little see-through leaf. <laughs> it saved me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was important that you felt confident and, and that we were in control, you know, and that we would take care of you and portray you in the right way. And that's what I always um, strive to um, um, have, have happening with my shoots. Mm, yeah, it was such a beautiful experience. So I, I'm I'm always going to think back on that with such a joyful Lovely. memories. That's that's for sure. I really yeah. appreciate it. And when you're 100 years old, you'll be able to look back and, and <laughs> go, oh, my God, there I was when I was totally in my prime. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. 
I've been there and done that. Now I'm moving on. <laughs> and I know I'm, I'm going to have to round it up now, but I just wanted to just really say thank you so, so much for sharing both your professional side of the passion and what's driving you, which is just, I think, so beautiful to listen to. And I could keep going actually listening to you because your vision and your passion is, is really ringing true. And, and, you know, I continue to share my world and, you know, on my Instagram and, and Facebook and, you know, talk about what I'm doing and what I think about things that are happening and, and so on. And so, you know, communication is really, really important with women and particularly with new mothers is, and, and that's the world that you're working in. So, you know, I applaud you for what you're doing. Thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you. So we know that we can keep our eyes out for this jewellery range that's coming out in October. Is that going to be available here in Australia? Well, it's on the Home Shopping Network at the moment, and we're figuring a way to have it available around the world through online, and it will be in jewellery stores on the ground, essentially first in the US, but then we'll expand outwards. And so for people to, if they want to um, hear about when this will be coming out, as I said, I'll talk about it on my Instagram and on my Facebook, and so I'll keep people posted, and also about my new range of 10 beautiful colours for nurseries. And I'm doing this with an awesome British paint company, and we've spent a couple of years looking into the psychology of colour and how important it is to surround your baby with the right colours. And and so there's um, 10 beautiful nursery colours as well, and, and they're available online if you just Google and get his paint and you can find out all about it. Oh, beautiful. I'm going to have a, have a look right away. (laughs) (laughs) um, Best of luck with your third little bubba. And um, I hope and I'm sure it will. Um, But send me a photo, will you? Oh, I will. You bet I will. A little selfie with my iPhone. (laughs) Yeah, that would be great. I'd love that. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And and thank you to Stephanie as well. I really appreciate your time. And um, we'll keep an eye out for all the wonderful things that you're making or have in the making. And hi to all the mothers who are listening in and all the pregnant ladies and congratulations to all of you. Thank you. I know they'll appreciate that a lot. Take care, Anne, and enjoy New York for all of us and Sydney, Australia. We will. Thanks, Anna Maria. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions or topics that you would like me to speak about, I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me via my website, annamaria.com.au. And remember to subscribe so that you get each new episode as they become available. I would greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to write Mumsvia a review on iTunes. And you can support us even further by making a donation on annamaria.com.au forward slash mumspire. Lastly, I want to say a big thank you to our Danish friend Jesper Huff for making our very own Mumspire jingle. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, take care of yourself and your loved ones.